This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Good to see you. Thank you. Glad to be with you. I mean that from my heart. I'm really, really glad to see you guys out on a Wednesday. I, I look forward to Wednesday nights. It's one of those things that's an easy flow, so I'm going to ask you to open your Bible to Ecclesiastes 5. We're going to receive our tithes and offerings tonight. As we're doing that, um, you know, when I prepare for different things throughout the week, I'm always in here praying, getting direction from God and seeking His face and His presence. And, um, and don't, don't miss Sunday morning. There was some stuff just off of that last song they sang that God began to give me some direction on where I'm to go Sunday morning. And so I, I'm not going to share anymore. You're going to have to be here Sunday to hear it. But you don't want to miss it. It's going to be that good, I can promise you. We're on our series, The Blessings, so we'll be on peace again Sunday morning. You know, we're going to begin in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And I, I found this out in my life when I, I look to the things of this world to make me happy. I, I never will arrive at the hoped-for destination. You know, I, I found this out in my life that even when I get the things that I hope for, it wears out or it gets old or it's just, you know, how many of you ever bought something that you really thought, this, this is it? And then after a little bit, you realize that wasn't it. And I think that's what happens with us when we begin to look at things. So in Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10, it says, he who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver. He who loves money will never have enough money. My, my wealth never satisfies me. Now, when I read that there, he who loves silver will never be satisfied with silver. I just wrote at the side of that, just fill in the blank. If it's not silver in your life, well, what are the things that you would say, man, I, I thought that would make me happy. You know, I, I thought just a trip to Paris or to the Bahamas, man, that, that, it's it. But you know what I found out about that? That only lasts for a few days. He goes on to say, nor he who loves abundance with increase. Well, whatever we have isn't going to be enough. And he ends with this and he says, this is also vanity. The word vanity here means it's, it's useless. It, it has no value. It's false. It's meaningless. So wealth and material gain that he's talking about, they do not and they cannot satisfy. And so really what he's telling us here is I've, I've got to learn to get in the economic system of God's kingdom where I allow God to make me happy, for God to bless me, for God to take care of me. And man, when I begin to step out into the kingdom of God, not the world's economic system, but the kingdom of God, when I do it God's way, man, there's always be a blessing. And you know, remember what the Lord Jesus said? He said, it, it's more blessed to give than receive. And man, when you can start walking in those areas of life, you realize that. Well, let's pray. Father God, we thank you tonight that 
We ask you to grace us in this area. And Father, you're the only thing that can satisfy. You said, taste and see that the Lord is good. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We ask you to grace us in the area of, of our giving, our finances, that they become uh, uh, instruments for the kingdom of God to move forward. And we give you glory and honor this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you got your Bible, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And I, I like to talk about the elements of faith here on Wednesday nights. I'm still going to do that. But I'm going to kind of wander that way for a little bit before I get there. And I don't know about you, but in my life right now, I, I desire a, a faith that literally changes the way I think, changes the way I act, a, a faith that, that changes the way I live, maybe the best way I can say. I, I want a vibrant faith. And the reason I say that it is throughout the New Testament, the, the Word of God is very clear. The just shall live by faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. Hebrews eleven six 6 says that. So again, this is a faith thing. So I'm going to get there, but I want to start out with just some uh, things that the Apostle Paul said, starting in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are all in Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, the, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Of, of endless and, and permanent comfort. Now, where he's getting ready to go this with this is he'll get over in areas of life that even in, in painful ordeals, even when forms of suffering greet you, that we have a God that says that he wants to mercy us and he wants to comfort us. And I think about all that's going on in, in our world right now. Now, pay close attention to what he says in verse 4. Who comforts us in all our tribulation. Who, who comes aside us. Who, who comforts us. He consoles us. In, in life's calamities, in life's difficulties, in seasons we're going through. Now, I don't know if you're going through a bunch right now, but man, grab a hold of that right now to say, Father, I, I welcome your mercy. I, I welcome your comfort in my heart tonight. And you know, when, when I get around the presence of God and I allow his comfort, it's almost like the Lord always just speaks this and says, it's going to be all right going to be all right. Everything that's going on, I, I was aware of it. It's like God saying, none of the things going along in our world right now are a surprise to him. So he says, I want to comfort you in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are any trouble 
with the comfort which which ourselves are comforted by God. And so do you see what he says there? That, That God wants to comfort us, but his comfort is so good to us that we begin to move on this earth and we begin to comfort other people. And I believe his, his mercy and our grace will come upon us. And, and when I study the scriptures, oftentimes it'll say this about the Lord Jesus. He was moved with compassion. He was moved. And I've said that, Lord, move me with compassion toward people, toward a hurting world. And so when I read this here, Remember the author of this was the Apostle Paul. And this was a guy that he fully understood tribulations and and tough times. So I begin to look at all the things the Apostle Paul went through. On five different times, he was given 39 lashes on his back. The reason they would stop at 39 is because they say that if they ever got to 40, it would kill them. So they would get you to the the closest point of death and suffering they could. And, And so this guy who's writing about tribulations and writing about comfort, this would be a guy I'd say, he's an expert in this. Three different times, He was beaten with rods. One time he was stoned to the point of death. Three other times he was shipwrecked. And then I can't find completely how many times he was cold, he was homeless, he was without food. But when I read this about this guy named Paul... This is the same Paul that in 2 Timothy 4, 7, he says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. And so part of this goes in line with what I'm going to talk about tonight. And I don't know about you. I want to be a person that when I get to this end of my life, I can look and say, I ran the race. I kept the faith. Even in difficult times, even in difficult seasons. And he says this in verse 5. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation or our comfort also abounds through Christ. So you know what he's saying? It's like Jesus will just... He'll he'll allow you to absorb him and and you start becoming his hands and you start becoming his voice and you become the the one who loves people. Turn with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians 3. 1 Thessalonians 3. Now, as I turn here, this is a passage where the Apostle Paul is sending Timothy to the church of Thessalonica. And he's going there to check up on the the church of Thessalonica, the people. And so as I begin to study these lines on this, he didn't go to the church to see how big it had gotten. You know, just because you can draw a big crowd... 
That doesn't reference spirituality or how holy people are. And when he goes to the church at Thessalonica to check up on them, he wasn't going to see if they'd quit cursing. He wasn't going to see if they'd quit drinking and gossiping and all those things. Those were just all outward manifestations. But I'm going to read in, in 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 1 through 10, and you're going to find the heartbeat of this. And, and I'm reading in the New King James, but the subtitle of my Bible in this says, his concern was for their faith. Paul sends Timothy and he says, listen, you got to get a reading on their faith. I want to know the temperature of their faith. So begin with me there in 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 1. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it'd be good to be left in Athens alone. And I sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. Wow. I, I want to see you established. And, and the, the other word that he used there, and encouraged concerning your faith. Now, when I read that in the passage translation, it literally said, in the preaching of the gospel. So he was telling him, I want you to be encouraged and lifted up Stay in the Word of God, okay? Stay with the Word of God. Over and over, you'll find that anytime they reference faith, they were telling you, you got to get in the Word. And when you get into the Word, well, God will get into you. Verse 3. That no one should be shaken by these afflictions. They shouldn't be pressed by these difficulties. Now, when he said this, he was saying, don't, don't be led astray or disturbed by these afflictions. It's like he was warning that you're going to have afflictions. We're not exempt from afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. We forewarned you that you're appointed to this. And sometimes as believers, we have the thought, well, once I got born again, it ought to be smooth sailing. But that was one of the reasons I read you about some of the Apostle Paul stuff. And then what he's telling Timothy to tell the church at Thessalonica, you're going to go through some things. Keep reading here with me, verse 4. For in fact, we told you, or we forewarned you before, when we were with you, that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened, and you know this is going to happen. There's going to be a squeezing. And if I can note again what he said, that we would suffer tribulations. Verse 5. For this reason, when I could no longer do it, I sent to know your faith. I sent to know about your faith, the endurance of your faith, 
or if your faith was still strong, if you've stayed with the Word of God. Now, I believe what's going on here is he's talking about these afflictions and tribulations and the things of this world are going to squeeze you. And he said, listen, the key is, how's your faith? Who are you looking to? Lest by some means the tempter, who's the devil, had tempted you or gotten the best of you and our labor might be in vain, it may be fruitless or no purpose. So he says here, I sent to know your faith. Verse six, but now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and your love, wow, it's interesting that he says, I'm comforted to know about your faith and your love, that you always have good remember of us greatly desiring to see us that we may also see you. And so his concern was the state of their affairs in the areas of the good news of their faith and their love. And so it's like Paul saying, yes, when Timothy told me about your faith and your love, it was all lit up and he was excited about it. Verse seven, therefore, now listen to this. Therefore, brethren, if you're born again, this is to me and you. Therefore, brethren, in all our afflictions and our distress, a warning there, we were, con we were comforted concerning you by your faith. Now, I'm going to keep reading on in this and what you'll see over and over. He, got, he, he had to get a, a temperature reading of their faith. But specifically here, he says, I was con comforted concerning you by your faith. It was like he was saying, the checkup came in and you were still good in your faith. Your faith wasn't wrecked. And so I think about this, that he sends Timothy. And he wanted to get a faith reading on him. And he didn't say, hey, Take me into your sanctuary and show me what kind of chairs you got. Let's, let's look at your carpet. Let, let, let's hear the sound system. Let's see all your lights. Oh, I want to see that new LED screen. He, he didn't mention one thing about what type of props are you using? What type of entertainment are you doing? Are you the best show in town? The only thing you're going to see over and over that he was concerned about with this church was are you holding fast to God? Are you holding fast to your faith? And I believe this is very timely for what we're living in right now. Hang on to the things of God. Hang on to the Word of God. Verse 8, for now we live... If you stand fast in the Lord, stand firm in the Lord. Hang on to God. Hang on to his word. Don't let go of it. For what thanks can we render to God for you? For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God. Night and day we're praying. And watch what he's praying for night and day. Night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your faith and perfect what's lacking in your faith. And so as I read this right here, 
I begin to look over and over. This entire passage here highlighted their faith. And so I have to ask myself this right now. What's my trust at? What's my hope? What's my security? And I I highlight again verse 8 because this is so powerful. For we now live... If you stand fast in the Lord, stay with the Lord. That's how we live. Acts 17, 28 says, in him we live and move and have our being. And so I got to stay with the things of God. I got to stay with the word of God. Now, I I want to take you to a passage scripture. And this will be the last area we go tonight. Go with me to Joshua 14. And I... I begin to look at people within the Bible again, and I said, Lord, give me a passage of Scripture that will highlight this to a T. And so as you're turning to Joshua 14, let me ask you questions. Is your faith still tonight? Or is your faith alive? Who, who, who do I look to? And I'm telling you guys, you've got to stay with the Word of God. It never changes. Remember, the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, he said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If you've come to church here very long, you'll hear me quote this. The great evangelist, a man named Smith Wigglesworth, and if you can ever read any of his books, read them. He said this maybe 100 years ago. He said, we feed our, spirit, our, our natural man three hot meals a day. And we feed our spirit man one cold snack a week. And we wonder why we're spiritually malnourished. And I look and think, God, i got to get in the Word. Think about it in this sense. As food is to the physical body, the Word is God is that to the spirit man. And get, get into the Word and God will get into you. And I, I don't care how old you are, how young you are, you can never overdose on the Word of God, okay? You can't get too much of the Word of God. Just keeps going at it. So, back to this passage. We're in the book of Joshua. And, and remember, Joshua is the, the man who took over for, for Moses. But Joshua... He was one of the two spies that when the Lord said, I want you guys to go into the promised land and check it out. The other guy with him was Caleb. Now, these two, they were long-term friends. I mean, they were like this with each other because of their relationship with God. They had a passion for God. And so when we study this guy named Caleb, God never forgot Caleb's bold faith. And the reason he never forgot Caleb's bold faith is because of of Caleb's loyalty. Caleb wouldn't waver. He never would compromise the word of God, even when it was really, really tough and difficult. Joshua 14, verse 6. Now, get your pen out, because, man, there are some golden nuggets in here to live by. Joshua 14, verse 6. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, 
Now, if you really like to dig in scripture, Caleb was of the tribe of Judah. Remember the nation of Israel is formed by the 12 tribes. Those are still in existence. When I was in Israel 18 months ago, I asked that question and and my guide got tickled because he said, oh yeah, they're still there. If you really want to study all the 12 spies, you can go back into Numbers 13 and it will highlight every one of them, including Caleb and Joshua. So that's just a little side note, that's free. And so he said to him, you know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God concerning you and me in Kadesh Barna. Now, when he says this, you know that the word the Lord said to Moses. Now, I got to highlight this because he specifies Moses as the man of God. Now, you don't get that title on your own. I mean, I could look at Felix and say, I'm the man of God. No, no, no. You can't get that yourself. That comes from a life of serving God. And he said, remember the man of God, the word of the Lord he said concerning me and you. Well, you know what it was? You two are the only two that's going into the promised land. The other 10, out. They're not going to make it. And actually, when you study that, the only ones that would be allowed to go into the promised land was anyone under 20 when they didn't go in for those 40 years. So he's telling him, remember what God said to me and you concerning that promise. He's sticking with the word of God. Man, anytime you can find where it's written in the Bible, you can tell the devil it's finished. I got it right here. So he goes on to say, I was 40 years old when Moses, now this time he says, the servant of the Lord. These are things that I I want, man, at at my funeral. That's desires of my heart for people to say, that dude was a man of God. That dude was a servant of God. So he highlights him this time. He says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. And remember what he said to him. He said, we're, at, we're well able to take it. We can do this. So when we study that passage, remember of them, 10 said no way, but two of them said way. But truth isn't dependent on majority. Man, only two of them believed it. And I highlight to you this because I believe the longer we go on in this thing called earth before eternity, you're going to see things shrink more and more, okay? You're going to become the minority, the few, the few, the proud, the blood of Jesus. Verse number eight. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with us or up with me, made the heart of the people melt. It caused the courage of the people to fail. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. I, ho- I wholly followed the Lord my God. I didn't cut any corners. I hung with God even when they, when they said no way. So Moses swore on that day saying, surely the land where your foot is trodden shall be your inheritance and your children forever. 
because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Wow. You got an inheritance because you stayed with what I told you that would happen. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive as he said these 45 years Ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while in Israel, we wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, 85 years old. Now think about what he just said. That promise was told to him when he was 40, and here he is now, 85 And he's never let go of the promise of God. You know what I believe he's saying? My faith is still as strong today in the promise of my God. I'm still as firm today on my God as I was 45 years ago. And I I can picture him and and Caleb looking at each other and high-fiving each other and saying, I remember, I'm with you, I'm with you. Verse 11. As yet, I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and coming in. I I haven't lost my edge. I still live with the eye of the tiger. I still got a vibrant faith is what he's saying. I'm 85, but I haven't changed. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day, For you heard in that day of how Anakim, which was Cana's most fearsome warriors, they were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb the son of Jephunneh's inheritance. Now, you got to hang in here on verse 14. This is a great one. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of the Jephunneh, the Kenizzite to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Three times. He wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And I began to think of this, and I said, Lord, put put faith in us like that. Put faith. I'm just going to live for God. I'm going to trust God. And so what I see in this passage, and I'm going to end with this thought. In Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, the Lord Jesus said there's two roads. There's a road that's wide, and there's many on it, and it's easy, but it leads to destruction. And there's another road that's narrow and there's only a few who are on it and it's difficult, but it's the road that leads to life. And I believe when I read even out of the 12, only two of them said we can't. And I believe that's what happened and more and more and more. It may look difficult, but it's the road that leads to life. So I'm gonna ask you to stand up right there where you're at. And I believe God wants to touch our hearts tonight. And if your faith is stale, if, if you've compromised, if, if you've given up hope, I believe God wants to breathe. He wants some spiritual CPR to go back on the inside. That you stir up faith within you and say, I'm going to believe God.
I'm going to believe God. So bow your head if you feel comfortable raising your hands to heaven. Raise, Father God, we ask that you stir up faith in here. That you move in here, Father God. And, and that we become children that we're in wholeheartedly. We're in for the long hauls. And Lord, right now, ones that are going through troubles and, and, and tribulations, Lord, we ask, stir up their faith within them. That they hold fast to you. Breathe on us today, Lord, fresh faith. Breathe on us the passion that says, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to live for God wholeheartedly. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.